This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. John, chapter 17. And put your marker there and then go to the book of Mark, chapter 12. Actually, we'll start in John 17, then we'll go to Mark. What my brother Hill started this morning, and actually started, is continuing regarding the move of God, when God moves. And it's the importance of being one in the move of God. Why is it important? The importance of being one in the move of God. So we'll start in John chapter 17. That's what you're going to entitle it. The importance of being one in the move of God. And we want to address a few things in here. In this, this message, we want to address a, a few things. Even though we're going to stay with that in, of oneness and unity in the move of God. Are you on John 17? Let me get to Mark. Just mark it. Mark chapter 12. Let's start at verse. Where do I want to start in, Mark, in John? Let's start at verse 9. And we're going to read quite a few scriptures, but when do I start at verse 9? And we are in the middle of, uh, of uh, the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we're in the middle of. And, uh, and we're, going to go, we're going to read more of Mark, I mean John chapter 17, but I want to start at verse 9. It says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou gavest me, givest, given, which thou hast given me, that they, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in, this, in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou, hast, thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so also I send them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I these for, for these alone, but for them which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may know, may believe that thou hast sent me. And we're talking about oneness. And remember, during this season, we're, oneness and, and I, I'm going to go back and forth, oneness and unity, because they are both the same. As it pertains to what God is talking about, he, when he says to be one, he's talking about a, 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 some, a, a, a unity, is what is God is referring to. Remember, before God does anything, there's always preparation. 
We are here at Church of the Living Water. We're in a season of preparation for the move of God. But you know, it's so interesting because when God moves, I want to be honest with you, it's always about unity with God. And go to Mark chapter 12. It's always about unity with God. It's always about oneness with God when He moves. The move of God, in the move of God, you will always find oneness. In the move of God, you will find unity, always. Oh, from the very beginning, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're one. And they were united in everything they did, everything they were going to do before the foundation of the world. There was oneness. There was unity. And they weren't about to get out of that oneness and out of that unity. That's why, that's why Jesus is coming to the earth and dying on the cross and coming and putting on flesh. There was no failure in that. Because God is one and there was no failure in what he was going to do. They were unified in what they were going to do. So nothing was going to hinder that. Nothing see, in unity with God. His will is going to get accomplished all the time. So it's not about God being in unity. It's about you coming to unity. It's about us coming to the unity of what God has for us. Because if you don't, you're going to miss out what God has. You're going to be like Sister Hill mentioned. When you miss the move of God, you're out of the will of God. You, you, when you, and it's not just even missing it. It's ignoring the will of God, ignoring the move of God. Because it's just like this. I guarantee you, if you've been here for a length of time, you know that God is moving. You know that God has moved in our life. God is always moving. You know, the thing about it, when she says there's only a few times that you come to a place. Remember, when God moves, you're always left with what? You're always left with a choice. And you're not going to give many of those that change the course of your life. You have to say, you know what? Because I guarantee you, if you look back, you can say, yeah, that changed the course of my life. That choice that I had to make changed the course of my life. The very first choice that we made was to receive Jesus Christ. And that changed the course of our life. If it didn't change the course of your life, you did not receive Jesus Christ. Because you cannot continue doing the same things or living the same way and say, I, I received Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ, it's a, it, when you receive Jesus, it's all about coming into the unity of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He said, this is the way we do things. And if you haven't made it, and there hasn't been a change, like that song, What a Wonderful Change, there is a change in our life. And, you, and, it's, and it's not something that you have to, you know, I have to really review it. Am I changed? No, you change when you receive Jesus. And then there's other times, like I can, I can t name the times that the, the course of my life was changed. You know, one of the greatest things in life, and you got to be very, very careful. The, the most, two, of one of the most, two of the most important decisions you will make in life is who you're going to serve and who you're going to marry. Because they will change the course of your life. Those things right there. And see, the thing, the beautiful thing about it is that's why marriage has so much to do with the unity of God. It has so much to do with God's unity because he's saying, if you miss it in this area, you're not going to be unified with my purpose and my will. You will be out of the will. That's why, you know, my sister threw something out there. And I was I was I, it was interesting about the dating, about the, the person that this person had talked to about, is it wrong to date an unbeliever or is it wrong to date someone of the other faith? And I thought about that. But, you know, it is not sin to date someone of another faith. And it's not sin to date someone of an, of, 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 
What was it? Of an unbeliever. It's not sin. It leads to sin. Because the Bible says all things are lawful for you, but not all things are expedient for you. You can date. Dating is not a sin. The thing about it is they miss it as, as it pertains to the will and purpose of God. People that choose like that are not united or not in unity with God. They're not one with God. So it's, to them, it's like, well, you can't tell me that I can't date somebody that that's sin because they don't understand the oneness and unity of God. So those people right there, because the importance of being in unity is because you will devastate your life. The importance of not, say it, the importance of not being in unity and oneness in the move of God is that you will not be effective. You will miss God. You will be a person that will not fulfill the will of God. You will be a person that in your heart you're thinking, God, I could have done so much. I could have did this. I could have did that. If I wouldn't have married, if I wouldn't have done this, if I wouldn't have done that, this would have happened. But see, the thing about it with God he doesn't look necessarily just at your failure and your decisions and your disobedience. He sees to see, okay, what are you going to do now? See, what are you doing now, right now? I know. See, nobody has to tell me when I miss God. I don't need nobody in my face telling me that I sinned against God. Nobody has to tell me that. I know I've sinned against God. I know I've missed God. I don't need that. What I need to know is how to get out of this. And the thing about this with people... Think about it. I, I, that's why I love people like Rahab. I love people like, like uh, the woman, and I forgot the other woman's name that actually was, uh, was it Jacob's? No. Judah's daughter-in-law. Judah's, I can't remember her name. Anybody help me? Judah's daughter-in-law. Well, Judah's daughter-in-law is the one that had Judah's son, married Judah's son, and he died, and somebody was supposed to give her child, the brother, and, the brother, and, 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 she, and, and they needed one of them, so she actually deceived the Judah. Was, am I saying Judah right? Is that Judah? Yep, Judah. And he deceived him, and she had intercourse with Judah and had a child, and God put her in the bloodline of Christ. Put her there because she was determined to do the will of God. She was determined. See, it's not about your sin. It's about, are you willing to find the purpose of God and get there? Because, see, for me, there's things in my own life that I say, I've missed it in that area. I've missed it in that area. And because I missed it in that area, there's certain things that come after that as consequences. But that doesn't stop. Like, for example, and I always share things like this. I, this is the first thing that comes to my mind. Education. I was a young man that knew how to do a lot of different things. And I was a smart young man. And I, and I loved to read. I loved to write. I enjoyed doing a lot of things. But I would always skip school all the time. And nobody told me anything. I had nobody of authority to actually sit down and tell me this is the direction that you need to go that I ever remembered. And I did that, and those things affect me now, even though when I got out, I, you know, I did certain things to, to put certain things in order. But those affect me now, but that does not hinder what God is doing. You know, it doesn't hinder because my heart is after God. You know, people listen to me now, and they're like, 
you know, you, you have something to say, it's only because of the will of God. It's only because of the purpose of God. It has nothing to do with nothing else. But am I going to sit there and say, God, if you don't do this for me and I'm your servant and I love you and why can't I have this and why can't I have that and why can't I do this and why can't I do that? That is stupidity and foolishness. You're getting nowhere with God because God is about, okay, I will put you in my purpose and I will give you wisdom. And that's all you can ask for. Is be in his purpose and be in, and have the wisdom of God. But do not ever think that my sin will keep me. Now, now continuing in sin is different. Continuing in sin to get yourself disqualified and maybe out of here in a, in a quick hurry. Because you're not, you're not doing, you're not effective and you're not, you're not affecting anybody's life. Some people live life in the fast lane and they go fast. Because to them, it's not, oh, no, I know that and I don't want to, you know, things that you hear, you would think never would happen to you. Now, these things will never happen to us. But you know that there's people in prisons for murdering pastors' children, in prisons for murdering people because they were out of the will. Somebody got out of the will of God. I know certain people. Because somebody got out of the will of God, somebody didn't do the will of God. And from one generation... Something happened that they just like, they went off the deep end. You know, can you imagine, and this is, and you can look it up. Can you imagine a pastor's daughter going out and getting upset because her boyfriend is, is interested in somebody else and going out and killing that person? A pastor's daughter. Could you imagine that? You know, you, you would think, well, that's, wow, you know, that's just, that's crazy. But you know what? Somebody gave themselves to something that they should have never given themselves to. Because... They refuse to acknowledge God. God, what do you want? It's not about what you want. In unity, you've got to understand. Some, Brother Hill said it this morning. The, the me, myself, and I thing. Unity has nothing to do with me, myself, and I. Oneness has nothing to do with it. I'm going to tell you something. Oneness and unity has nothing to do with one individual. It has everything to do with one God. One Lord. That's unity and oneness. It's about one God and one Lord. And what is this one God and one Lord doing? That's unity. You find out what they're doing, God says, you get here. And you're going to see that clearly tonight. You're going to see that clearly that in Jesus' prayer, it was all about that. The whole prayer, his, his whole thing was about glorifying God and bringing you to a place of fruitfulness. A place where you're one with Him. That's what it's all about. So let's go to Mark chapter 12. In Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 38. Am I there? Did I write the wrong script? I hope I didn't. Let me see. Yep, 28. Starting at verse 28. It says, And one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that Jesus, he had answered them well, asked Jesus, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. It's interesting that the first commandment, he didn't leave out, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. One Lord. 
He didn't leave that out of the commandment. He said, because thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You may think this has nothing to do with oneness, nothing to do with unity, but with God, it has everything. Loving God has everything to do with being in unity, has everything to do with being one with His purpose. If you have not found this oneness, if you have not come to this one, and I'm saying we preach this oneness all the time, this unity all the time. In every one of our services, we're preaching oneness and unity. We're preaching the will of God. And God says, you can't love me without this. You cannot truly love. You don't know how to love me. See, what, minister, what Brother Hill said this, Minister Hill said this morning about, about good intentions. You can have all the good intentions of the world. But if you're not in this unity and this oneness, you do not love God. You can't love God. Because he's already said it. He said it this way. And I, I like he, his definition. And I want to read the definition of unity myself. I want you to write this down. Unity, the quality or state of not being multiple is what Brother Hill says. And I'm just going to add to that. Oneness, he, was, he said. It's the quality or state of not being multiple. Oneness. It's a state of not being, it's, it's a state of being undivided. It's a state of being undivided. Well, there's no division there. A state of being undivided, having oneness. It's a condition of harmony condition of harmony. You know, it's so interesting how harmony works. And, you know, the little that I know about harmony, everybody's playing a note, playing something at the same time, singing something at the same time, but it's pleasing to the ears. Because it sounds right. But when somebody is off, have you seen some of the singers every once in a while? They're like... Uh, uh, because somebody is off. You and that's just the way it is. Because they have an ear to hear harmony. People that cannot hear properly are not able to sing. Because they can't hear properly. You have to be able to hear certain... You have to be... Like there's keys that go with certain keys and there's keys that just do not go with certain keys. And that's harmony. God is like, there's certain things that do not go with what I'm doing. And when you try to mix it with what I am doing, it's not pleasing to my ears. It's not pleasing at all because it's not in harmony. Unity has to do with harmony. It has to sound good to God. Well, what do you think is well, His praises as a sweet-smelling savor? Because it smells good to God. You know, these things, it's like, it, it all comes to God. Brother Eberhard said it this way. I talk, I, and, I, and I'll miss, uh, I think I'll miss calling a bit about praises to God. You know, our praises are extended to God. That's, that's where our praises, our unity, it's all about what we do for God. Our oneness. So I want to read a few things so that, why is it important that we as a congregation be one or in unity as the scriptures define it? So that we as a congregation would be sure to fulfill the will of God and not to be set out to accomplish our own thing or what the world calls a successful church. Remember this, and I, I like this. Remember this. Always remember this and always tell anybody, our goal is not to be a mega church. That is not our goal. Our goal is not to be a mega church. 
or go at Church of the Living Water. People are like, you've got to grow. You've got to do this. And they find endeavors and different things to actually make sure that they're growing and growing and have numbers and they can actually put it in the books. This is how many members we have. This is how many people we sing to. This is how, you know, all these different things. And they think that that is someone that's in oneness and in unity. Our goal is not to be a mega church. Our goal is to be the church of the living God. That is our goal. We want, see, a person's heart is to be the church. A believer's heart, I want to be the church. See, we're brought into the body of Christ, but we have to be the church. We have to become that church. And the thing about it, unity, when I tell you it has nothing to do with one individual, but it has to do with one God and one Lord, unity has a starting point. Unity has a working. There's a working in unity. In you and through you. And in unity has an end result. Unity has a starting point. There are some workings in unity. In you and through you. And unity has an end result. God is like, I planned this from the beginning. This was established from the beginning. We, his church was in mind from the very beginning. And every intricate detail about it. Think about it. Every one of you that minister, you were in the heart of God. You were in the mind of God. Called from your mother's womb. And I love the way my pastor used to say it about people that say they're, called, they're, they're running from the call of God. He says, no, you didn't hear from God. Because people that hear from God, they're not running from God. And God doesn't waste time with people that are going to run from Him. So, there's a blessing in staying put. The blessing in staying put. Because God is not making mistakes with what He does. He's not. You know, that's why it's a blessing to be a part of what we're a part of. Because you can... Can you imagine yourself outside of the will of God? Can you imagine yourself if you had not made the decision you made to be where you're at. I know Sister Stinson mentioned about Georgetown, moving to Georgetown, putting everything, God just placing different things in our life. But you know, we don't always understand at the time what's going on. We don't understand what's happening at that time because if I can go back and take away certain things that I, did, that I, would have to, that I had to experience, I would take them away because I didn't want to experience certain things that I experienced. But in that, God was looking at, He stayed. They stayed. This person is hearing. This person, you know, because it's all about getting you to a place where, because in unity, when I say the workings, God has to work some things out in you. And he knows those who will stay and he knows those who won't. It's like what, what Jesus said about the son of perdition. God knew that already from the foundation of the world. This person is going to betray, think about it. This person is going to betray my son. Though he had an opportunity to be around the Son of the Living God. He had the same opportunity, think about it, that John said, the word of life that we have handled with our hands, that we have heard, that we have seen. He had that same opportunity, but refused it. Because he had a different agenda. He had a different... See, so your agenda is very important in the unity of God. Because... 
Christianity is not about your agenda. Unity is not about your agenda. That's why you have to leave agendas outside the door. Now, there's a difference between being a, a go-getter out in this world. But in the kingdom of God, it's about humility of heart. Even though you're going after God, it's not trying to outdo somebody else. Not in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, it's about humility of heart and the right heart. Seeking your God. So, I want you to, I'm going to keep on defining unity. It's a state of, undiv- undiv- of being undivided. Having one, this is a condition of harmony. The meaning of unity and its purpose is best defined by the testimony of the Scriptures. God had oneness or unity in mind from the beginning and the purpose of it has always been to bring forth His will. Always. Always remember that. In unity, it's always about bringing forth His will. And God had purpose in mind. I told you that's why the beautiful thing about marriage is it has everything to do with unity and bringing forth the will of God. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 2 because we're going to bear that out just for a little bit. I want to get to a place. I want to get to John 17. But let's see how it goes before I get there. Genesis chapter... You know what? Let's read this in Matthew chapter 19 instead of Genesis. Let's not go to all those scriptures. Matthew chapter 19. Because we are familiar with Genesis chapter 2. And, uh, and they shall be one flesh. But let's read that in Matthew chapter 19. Starting at 1. Let's start at 1 and we'll read the verse 6. Are we there? Matthew chapter 19, it says, And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these things, he departed from Galilee and came to the coast of Judea, beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Like, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he, he said he, which made them at the beginning, made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God had joined together, let no man pull asunder. God brings us together. Go to Malachi chapter 2. And this is just to bear out that the purpose of this oneness and this unity is all about bringing forth the will of God. I want you to write this down as you go to Malachi chapter 2. You can't do both, but... I'll take my time, Sister Martin. It says, God's standard of perfection or standard of excellence for the marriage is for the husband and wife to experience unity. God's standard of perfection is God's ideal of marriage or marriage. It's God's standard of perfection or standard of excellence for the marriage is for the husband and wife to experience unity. For it is, the only, it is only in that God defined unity within the marriage that God's will will get, that God will get what He's expecting. 
It is only in that unity. Only in that unity that God states. Okay, does unity mean that they like the same thing? As it pertains to natural things. Does oneness or unity mean that we all like the same color chairs in this room? Does oneness or unity mean that we all like the setup that Sister Sarah or Sister Whitfield has something to do with? Or that Sister Castile sets it up? Does oneness have to do, and I'm saying a lot of names, I know, but does oneness have to do with anything that we do? Like, for example, you may have not liked how Jaden and Nick did the MCing yesterday. Does oneness have anything to do with that? Does unity have anything to do with the, the preference of food that we chose yesterday? None of this stuff. Does oneness or unity have to do with the music that you like that I don't like? It has nothing to do... Does unity have anything to do with whether you like Donald Trump or not? Does unity have everything to do with, you know, I prefer Obama in office. And it had nothing to do with unity or oneness. That's why those things have to be left out of unity and oneness. Because all those things do is cause division. Unity and oneness doesn't even have to do with the preference of skin that you like of the opposite sex. It has nothing to do with it. That's a preference. And people can prefer what they like. They can like what they like. But you cannot like, unlike something that God likes. You cannot unlike something that God likes. You cannot hate something that God loves. You cannot do that. Now you're messing with unity and oneness. As it, prefer, as it pertains to what God is doing, now you started messing with unity and oneness. As it pertains to anything that's preached through the scriptures and details are given to you and things are said to you and you, they search the scriptures and they show you. Now, there's a difference between you going to ask God and you going to cause division with somebody else. Now you've messed with unity. See, when you, when you come to God and say, God, I didn't understand something Brother Hill said or something our interim pastor said. I don't understand that. Help me to understand because I'm not quite understanding and I'm having a hard time. There's a difference between that and you going to say, what do you think about that? You know, why do you think they're doing it this way? Why can't they do it this way? There's a difference because now you've messed with unity and oneness. And now, see, the thing is, and now you're not coming against the person preaching, you've come against one God and one Lord. That's what you can. And you're not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you're definitely not loving your neighbor as yourself because you're not in unity. You're not in oneness. Does this make sense to you? Because unity and oneness has nothing to do with all those things. It has nothing to do with one individual. It has everything to do, I'm talking about one individual human being. It has everything to do with one God and one Lord. And we have to understand that because it's about what He's doing. It's not about what we're doing. And I think that's the place sometimes we, we can't get beyond. Because it's about what we're doing. You know, I, I, I come to this place and I bring something that you bring nothing you bring nothing to this place. Not one of us brought anything to this place. It was what God had for us that made us have something to give to somebody else. You come empty. You, all you did was come an empty vessel with a right heart. That's all you had. And God says, I'll fill you. 
I'll show you, I'll teach you, I'll cause you. Your own understanding about the things of God has nothing to do with your, your education. Not your own understanding. You know, it may put you in the right places to know how to do certain things, but only God gives wisdom. Only all. And He's able to keep it from you, you wise person. He really is. The Bible says he, he, he hides those things from, from those that think they're wise. He hides it from us. You, you think you can hide, find something that God hid from you? Think about it. God knows places to hide things that you never think about finding. He'll put people on your way to lead you astray so you know it's, they're not coming across this person because I'll hide it from them because they think they have something already. That's why it's so good to come to God and say, you know what, I really don't understand. You know, even the things, people believe me, even the things that I'm teaching you tonight or I'm going to, you know, get into, I think, God, I don't deserve to have some of this stuff. You know, when it comes down as, it, as like looking at me and understanding me and seeing me, I say, God, you're good. But it's not about me. It's about you. It's about God's people. It's about the unity of God. Because the same unity that He expects you to be in, He says, Ricky, you have to be in the same unity. The same oneness. You can't get out of that. You can preach it, but you have to be there. You have to be in the same unity, the same oneness that everybody else has to be. We're in the same boat as it pertains to that. And God has judged you. In the very end, okay, many shall say, Lord, in your name. This is what I've done. And this is what I've done. And I did this. Don't you remember? I did this. I was a part of this. And he said, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. And you know, that's why I love, as I read John chapter 7, I'm like, Jesus prayed this for us. Not only for the church then, but for the church now. He said, this is my prayer. If you listen and hear that, you hear some profound things that Jesus was asking the Father. He says, I'm coming to thee, Holy Father. I'm coming to you and I'm asking you for these people because I know without this oneness, without their unity, they will never accomplish what I have for them. You've got to understand that. You have to get that in your mind. I will never accomplish what... That's why purpose is only found in the body of Christ. It's only found in where He brought you into. When I tell you unity has a starting point, and I hope I'm not getting outside of my notes. But let's go here. I don't want to go to John 17 yet. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So oneness or unity in the kingdom of God is for the purpose of bringing to pass the will of God within that union. Within that union, God wants His will to be done. In oneness, like you said this, or unity, there is a starting point. There is a working of it. That's it. working in you and through you. And there is an end goal. When God moves, is one of the, as I, how I'm going to flow, how Sister Hill would flow. When God moves, He brings those who have made the correct choice into oneness. I want you to write that down. When God moves... He brings those that have made the correct choice into oneness. He brings them into unity of His purpose. When God moves. And God is... If you're sitting in this room and you're a believer, God has already moved in your life and he, you made the right choice and He brought you into oneness. He brought you into unity of purpose. And we're going to see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
And we're starting at verse 12. And you're there, say amen, because I know you're already there. I'm just not. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 12. For as the body is one, so the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So our God is one God. He's one Lord. Hear, O Israel, this is, it's all about what God is doing and what He's, and what he's going to accomplish. It says, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit, we're all baptized into one body. One Spirit, one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made, all made to drink into one Spirit. It's interesting how he's like, hey, I need you to understand this. This is all about what I'm doing. This is not about what you're doing. And I'm bringing you into this. You have nothing. You just made the right choice when you called upon Jesus. He said, and I'll do the work. The work of unity is God's. It's God's work. Your part is submission and obedience. His, his work. He's doing it all. He already did it all. You, he don't need you to put your hands on his unity. He just needs you to submit and obey. That's all you have to do. You become a part of his unity and you're productive and effective. But without being a part of it, unproductive. That's why when people say they have a call and they have a ministry and it's outside of the church, it's not in within the, they don't have a local church, they're out of the will of God. Because what God is doing, it's a part of the body. It's a part of the body of Christ. That's what God, God is like, no, there is no one man show here. There will never be a one man show. So let's continue reading. Let me see where I'm. For, let's start in verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. So it's not about one individual. For the body is not one member, but many. For if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is there not? Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were a hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. What makes them one body? Oneness and unity. It's, you got many members, but God has said, what I'm doing is bringing you into what I am doing. I'm bringing, and, I'm, and because the unity is found, you're going to see this clearly even in this prayer. Verse 21. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which seem to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, given more abundant honor to the part which lack. That there, be, there should be no schisms in the body, no divisions in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. So, hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one God, one Lord, 
And thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then he says, and then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You can never accomplish this love without this unity. Because so, God is like, it's about me being one. And, you, and me bringing you into oneness. And we'll define that a little bit more. So it's the one God who is one Lord that brings us into one purpose. And everyone that is brought into it is needed in that purpose. No one is, in, is insignificant. Everyone has a part. So God is like this. Just acknowledge me as your Lord. Uh, Brother Hill said this morning about the Lordship of Christ. All the Lordship of Christ is you're coming into the unity of, of, of that unity or the oneness that God has. You're making Him Lord. See, and we'll see this. I still got some time. Let's go to... So I mentioned God's purpose is only found in the body of Christ. Okay, let's do this. I want you to go to... Let's go to John. John chapter 17. Am I ready to go there? I think I am. Yes, sir. I am ready to go there. John chapter 17. Let's, let's dig into this. Let's look into Jesus' prayer. John chapter 17. And let's start at verse 1. Let's read a few things. Are we there in John chapter 17? Let's start at verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. Let's stop there. For us, glorify means to be made greater. And Jesus is saying, all Jesus is saying there is manifest my true purpose to these disciples. Glorify me that I may glorify you. And you're going to see this because all he's saying is, I want them to see what you've called me to do. And I want them to see because in me fulfilling my purpose, in me fulfilling, see, and an example was given by one of the commentaries. I like it. It shows the true nature of his purpose. Is what he, what he was doing, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm trying to remember how it was said. But it's like this: the peach tree is not glorified until it bears peaches. And Jesus was saying, "I will not be glorified unless I fulfilled your will. And in fulfilling your will and accomplishing your will, you will not be glorified." And he's saying, and we'll continue reading in verse two. It says, "As thou hast given." Him power, who is Jesus, over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this life eternal, and this is life eternal, that they, what? That they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. What is the purpose of unity? That they will know that, they, that, that you sent the Son. He said, no, I want them to come to understand the true God and that you sent me. But I can only do this by fulfilling my, the will of the Father and, and you glorifying me and allowing you to be glorified. So we'll continue reading. I haven't lost anybody yet. Don't want to lose because 
I just want you to see what he's talking about. And, and, and this is the thing that I was telling you earlier. Is that I have an understanding, but when I read this thing, I say, but there's so much here. There's so much more that I'm like, I, I want to see it, but I can't quite see it. But that's all, it's all in due time and study. And this life, verse 3, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom, I have that, whom, thou, whom thou hast sent. Verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Remember, Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. He's like, I've got to do this. I am going to do this. I am going to fulfill your will. I'm going to do all that you... What did Jesus say in John chapter 5? He said, I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He said, me of myself, I can do nothing without the Father. What the Father has said, that I've shared with you. He said, I do nothing outside of what the Father didn't tell me. I have done nothing but what... He said, and if you don't believe me, believe the very works. He said, because in the very works, that's where my father gets glory. So it's all about doing the way he said, I want them to see that I'm in unity with the father. I am in unity and oneness with his will. And I am going to do exactly what is written of me. Exactly. He said, I'm going to do exactly. So I have finished. Once again, I have glorified thee on the earth. Verse four. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O father. Glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine were they, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. Because remember, he did nothing that the Father didn't tell him to do. So he's in unity with the Father's will. He's in oneness with the Father's will. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came up. Why? Why do they know? Because I did nothing that was not written of me. I did exactly what God, what the Father told me to do. They came out of the... He says, For I have given unto them... The words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but I pray for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all, are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee. I like that period. I come to thee. I stop right there and say, Holy Father, I'm praying to my God. This is for you. Do you understand? This is for you and me. He prayed for us that we would come to this place. He said, I need you to come to this place. And so you can say everything else about what, what, what the will of God is, but this is the will of God. I like when my brother, Minister Martin, was ministering in, uh, in AMC. It is the express will of the Father. Unity is the express. It's throughout the scriptures from the beginning. He wanted you to be one with the Father's will. And that's what he said. This is it. This is the key to being in the will of God. That's why when he said the importance of being one in the move of God, 
Because if you're not one in the move of God, all you are is a hindrance to somebody else. See, you're not going to stop the move of God. You're going to hinder other people from receiving. God is going to move. And the thing about it, I don't like, I don't like to put all my, you know, uh, as people say, you know, the, uh, about one. God is not, God already knows who he chooses. We talk about our pastor Hill. But God already knew what he would do. He knew the kind of discipline that man would have. He knew the determination that he would have to do the will of God. He put the right man in the place where he needed him to be. He knew he would choose him. He knew that he would not give up. He knew that he would continue in ministry. He knew all of those things. And he put up people under him because he knew that he would do what he needed to do to bring these people where? To this place. To unity with the Father's will. See, it's not about... That's why I'm saying God, is, God knows who He calls. He knows who He calls. He's not calling. He just doesn't call anybody. And the proof is in where? In the will of God. See, everything that ministry, the, the church of the ministry, ministry of Church of the Living Water, you may not agree with a lot of the natural things that happen, but you cannot come in disagreement with the will of God. See... All of these things, we preach God's standard. And we preach the perfect will of God. And all of us have to obtain to it. Every one of us. Let me keep on reading. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. I love that. It's all about God keeping us. For what purpose? That me may be one. His keeping is all about us coming to this place. He keeps you and He preserves you and He continues to minister to you and He continues doing what He wants to bring you to this place. There's something... See, there is a security and an attitude that we must find. And I didn't read these objectives, but I want to go back and read this objective that I have. We want to see how God, by the Scriptures, defines oneness, and we have been doing that. He does it by the Scriptures. And if you haven't caught on to it, oneness is about what He's doing. It's about His will. It's about what He's determined from the foundation of the world. That's unity. Outside of that, that is not God. God's like, this oneness and unity is about what I'm doing. It's about my purpose. The second objective was... There is a certain security and attitude found within the Lord's Prayer in John 17. That's the security. That you're being kept by God just to bring you into oneness. The Father, and he prayed to the Father. He said, Father, Holy Father, we'll read that. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. That's what I love. What is his joy? I want you to go to Psalms chapter 40. What is the Lord's joy? He said, I want this joy 
See, this is all, all of this is just, is, is uh, proving what unity is. All of this, his joy, he said, Lord, I speak these things in the world. And this is in his prayer. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak, in verse 13, in the world, that they might have my joy in themselves, fulfilled in themselves. He wanted something to be fulfilled in them. Psalms chapter 40, and I'm not there, so I'm going to go there. So, before we read this, the Lord wanted something to be fulfilled in them, but what was that? It was His joy. So, we need to identify what is the Lord's joy. And remember, this is about being one. In, the unity with the pur- in, in unity with the purpose of God and bringing it to pass in the lives of His people. So, I want you to write down the word joy. In the Greek, it's cheerfulness, delight. Cheerfulness and delight. He uses the word calm. It says cheerfulness, that is calm, delight. And one of the Bible dictionaries that I have is gladness, a state of rejoicing, reason for gladness. That's what I like. His reason for gladness. I want them to be fulfilled in the reason that I am joyful. Psalms chapter 40. Let me get there. You are following me. Psalms chapter 40. And I want to read from verse 1. Are we there? Verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Love that. And I believe we all have been there. And we will continue to be there until we go be with the Lord. I have waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit. Out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall put their trust. Doesn't that sound like being brought into unity? That people would know the true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. He said, this unity is going to bring some changes in your life. This oneness will bring changes in our life. And he said, this is my prayer for them, Father. That they come to this unity, this oneness. And let's continue reading. Verse 3, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside the lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to us word, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than I can, they can be numbered. Verse 6. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will. O my God, thy law is within my heart. See, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. He said, you can't bring me a thing. 
That's why I'm telling you, you bring nothing to the table. It's about what he's bringing, in, bringing you into. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. By one spirit, you've been baptized into one body and made to drink into one spirit. He said, I brought you into what I'm doing. He said, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. My near thou has opened. He said, God is not looking for what you can do. He's looking for your submission to be caught up in his will. That's all he's looking for. He's looking for your, your heart to say, mine ear has that. He's speaking of a bondservant. Jesus, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, you can write it down. But the bondservant was a slave. A slave that had fallen in love with his master. A slave that had served his master well. A slave that did all that he needed to do. And the Bible said that it came to the year that he had to be freed. According to the law. He had to be free. And the Bible says that this bondservant, after being let go, he said, I love my master and I love his household. He said, I want to be your servant forever. And he would take him to, the, he would take him to a place and bore a, 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 an awe in his ear and he would serve him for the rest of his life. But he was freed. He could do whatever he wanted to. And so can you. But this unity is requiring not many things that you can do, only you saying, mine ear, open. Just open my ear. I, I just want to serve you. See, Jesus' prayer in, in the, and he said, I want this joy that I have of doing the will of the Father to be fulfilled in them. That's all I want. See, God's prayer, the Lord's prayer, was all about showing them, I'm fulfilling the will of the Father. I'm going to do what to do. I'm one with the Father's will and I need you to be in this same place. Because only through this place will you be effective and people will know the true God and Jesus Christ that I've sent. That you have sent me. That's what he said. Now they know I've given them thy word. He said, keep them. Keep them that they may be one. Let's go back to John chapter 17. So the importance of being one in the move of God. And I made mention, if you're not found in this oneness, this unity that the scriptures define in the move of God, you will miss the opportunity and be out of the will of God. And anyone or, or everyone associated with you will be affected by it without a shadow of a doubt. You can think of people in your own life. This is proven. It's, it's proven. You look at people in your own life and your own family that may have missed the will of God. Out of, out of the will of God and their children are affected by it. And some of the things don't need to necessarily need to be going on in their lives. But it's going on because somebody would not come to this unit. It's like, see, it's possible to come to church and do your own thing. It's possible to be involved with church and still do your own thing. Brother Hill mentioned it this morning. You know, the young lady that got pregnant out of wedlock with the drummer. They're doing their own thing. Things like that happen only because 
they don't want to come to the unity that God wants them to bring them to. The oneness that God wants them to bring them to. The importance of being one in the will of God, my brother and sister, someone needs you to be in oneness and unity. Somebody needs you to be in oneness. Somebody needs you to be in oneness and unity. I like, and I I was trying to find the scripture in, in the book of Isaiah. He said, he talked about his servant. He said, morning by morning, he awakens my ear to hear as the learned. That I may have a word to, in season to speak to him who is weary. That's why it's so important to be in the move of God. To be, to be one with God. Because God is able to actually, you're able to affect the lives of people. And my brothers and sisters, that's what we have to come to. You know, all of us have to come to a place. Because I don't care who you are, and, and I'll speak for myself. We all have room to grow. We all have room to say, my God, I, I, like when we said giving your best, I think that's a, that's a lifetime work. Because God is still working in our hearts. So, and, and the thing about it is we have to understand that I can't say I don't need you or that you don't need me. We can't say that. We can't say that because unity and oneness is about Think about it. Jesus is like, no, I'm praying this for them because they are my disciples. See, I love the fact that he says, Father, they were yours, but you gave them to me. It's interesting to me. He said, all were yours, but you gave them to me. He calls them everlasting. Jesus is called the everlasting Father. You know, we are His children. We are children of God. But we're in relation to the Father only because of Jesus Christ. See, what God is doing in our midst, He's doing it one God, one Lord. He's not doing many different things. We have to come to an understanding that as we continue and we finish in John chapter 17, is that this is the place that God wants us to be. So it's very important when we start talking about... And you know, nowhere in the Scriptures, my brothers and sisters... Is it found, okay, they're going to have service on Wednesday and they're going to have service on Sunday morning and Sunday evening and they will have family life class. And they're in the scriptures where you have that. The thing about it is, is and, and I can't remember what, what, who said this, but I, I, it's about, uh, I think it was Minister Stinson, about the zeal that you used to have or, or the thing about Wednesday night service. You know, we have to be very careful. And I mean by that, the hunger to come to hear the Word of God. The hunger. We all have to be careful that we don't get to a place where this is just the norm. I don't want to get to that place. You know, I, I look at sometimes, there have been times in my life, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to come to, you know, even prayer. I'm like, God, you know, I want this to be important to me. But you know what makes it not important to us, really, is... Going back to what Jesus said. He said, If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, he said, That's some great evil. That's great darkness. And I'm paraphrasing because the thing is, it's about the things that I and I I think all of us are guilty that sometimes we add too many things to our lives. And we don't order our lives the way we're supposed to order them. And you know, there's certain things that we can't help that come into my life. And I, and, I, and I start thinking about the care for my mom. But even at that, 
Even at that, I have, I, God requires me, God requires to still be first. Even in that, He requires to still be first. So even though there's things that, that I have to arrange, God is like, are you making those arrangements? Are you doing, you know, all these, see, God always deals with the individual. Because, like I was telling a brother, he was sharing with me, you know, because, of course, we, we talked to a few people in the picnic. And I was sharing with the brother. He was telling me, oh, these things are going on. These things are going on. And this is what I have to do. And this is what I have to do. And I said, my brother, you know that God knows if we're doing our best to put these things in order. I said, God knows that. I said, God, so you have to be real with yourself. I said, because to tell you the truth, sometimes it's just convenient. Said, you know, I'm not going tonight. You know, because we can take care of other things that we have to take care of. So, once again, God goes back to the heart and says, Okay, I see all the things that you're doing. And I see all your obligations. But what kind of effort are you putting forth? See, that's where it's at. Am I comfortable or am I putting forth an effort? See, God looks at the effort. And He says, Okay, let me make some... Let me, let me give you some wisdom on this. But... You can't just say, oh, well, God, you know, I have this obligation. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I just can't go to church. God said, OK, oh, you can't go to church. You, you can't go to church. You're missing unity and oneness. You are missing. You, you, you just you cannot. I'm telling you, even those that are consistently hearing the word of God, there is still a press to get to this unity and oneness. Even those that hear the word of God on a continual basis. So you can't say, well, I got this because I'm living off of old manna that actually has already has worms growing in it. But, you know, and, and you think about it. You think about it. Are you going to eat something that has worms in it? No. And I'm just throwing some examples. But this is he said, you're living off. of. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So we make opportunities and we open opportunities for people to hear the word of God. And God looks at the effort. And it doesn't mean that things hadn't come up where you had to miss. It just means, are you consistently trying to hear what I'm saying? And I don't know about y'all, my brothers and sisters, but we should have a heart to do. We don't want to miss the will of God. That's where our heart should be. Let's go back to John chapter 17 and we will finish just in reading. And I will mention this, something that I didn't go into study, but hindrances to oneness and unity. And I want to be honest with you. Really? There's only one thing that can hinder it. And, and it's in a package, but there's only one thing. And that is the lust of your eyes, the lust of your flesh, and the pride of life, because the devil cannot stop. The enemy cannot. It's those things that hinder us. We give place to the devil... And he actually takes advantage of those things. But if you notice, and I want you to write down, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Am I correct? They all, let's go there. And you know what? Let's go there. We have a little bit of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Are we at First Corinthians chapter ten, verse one? Here's some pages. 
says, moreover, oh, sorry, I still hear some pages. First Corinthians chapter 10. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All of them were delivered and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and into the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. And the thing about it, it's like our sister here in past teachings, we have an adversary. <laughs> we have an adversary. And, and you know what? Some of the things that happen, he's behind, some of the things are decisions that we make, things... But I'm telling you, we have an enemy. An enemy that knows you well. He knows your lust. He knows your desire. He knows you what you like. And he will put it all in front of you. Like I told you, especially about the dating, all things are lawful for you, but all things are not expedient. He says, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought, down, brought under the power of any of those things. He's saying, I have to watch myself. There's a lot of things you can do. You're able to do. You know what? It's not a sin to... Smoking a cigarette may not send you to hell. Drinking a beer may not send you to hell. Having, may not do certain things, but it can put you in a place that you don't want to be. It can put you... It's not for kings. The Bible says it's not for kings to drink. He said it's not for... It is not for... It is not for us. God is like, no, I have something better. See, God doesn't want you under the power of any of those things. Even the lust of our eyes. All of us have the lust of our eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. But we cannot give ourselves to them. And then when we see, we know our weakness, we've got to cry out to God in that area of weakness. God, I need you. You know what I like. You know what I desire. But I want you. You know, I... I there are certain songs that really minister to me. And it's all about the words. You know, there's this one I can try to... Your name is the only name that matters. Your heart is all that I desire. It's like, it's all that I want. He said, you know, let the world pass away, but give me Jesus. He said, let everything... Because everything is going to pass away, my brothers and sisters. And at the very end... The one God and one Lord is going to stand before you. You're going to stand before Him. So to me, I'm like, God, be Jesus in me. You know, just be Jesus. Be, be who you are. Do what you're going to do. But I don't want to miss you. So the importance of being one in the move of God, you're outside of His will if you're not. 
You know, it's so important to be one in the will of God. So, this move of God, we have many people. We have many people at Church of Living Water. We have some folks here at Church of Living Water. But just because you're here doesn't mean you're going to reap the benefits of the move of God or you're going to be in the will of God. So the importance, and think about it. He said, you can't say that, oh, well, you know, to Hades with somebody else, I got mine. You know, you can't have that attitude. And I use it that way. You know, whatever anybody else, I'm looking out for me. Jesus didn't look out for him. He didn't say, hey, God, I did it. You know, hey, I'm done. Let's get out of here. You know, he's like, no, I want this in the lives of those that follow. Not only, I don't only pray for them, Father, but I pray for all those that are going to hear, believe their words that they speak. I'm praying for them that they be He prayed for us right now. And see, that's why even the ministers, it's so important for us to be one and in unity as we share it. It's because we can't just say whatever we want. We don't want to say. Let's just say that. We don't want to say whatever we want to say. We want to be in the will of God. We want to be able to... All those things are like, God, I want those things. I desire those things. And that's why that's the heart. That should be the heartbeat of Church of the Living Water. The heartbeat of Church of the Living Water should be, not my will, but your will be done. That should be our heartbeat. In everything, in my marriage, in my relationships, in my jobs, in my school, not my will, but your will be done. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.